You're listening to. Whoa! Welcome to another episode of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Rira Yu. And today we're going to be talking about the January 2018 Books and Boba book club pick Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. And whew, Rira, you really picked the doozy for it to start off this year, man. I know. 500 page book. <laughs> well, a little, little bit less than 500 pages. Yeah. Um, it's the longest one that we've read for a book club. Needless to say, it is a very... We're going to have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. And yeah. But before we get to our book club discussion, um, we're going to go through uh, really quickly uh, some recent new releases and news uh, to get you caught up in the world of Asian American literature. Um, so let's just get through it because I, I need to talk about okay. Pachinko. Uh, first up is I Am Thunder by Mohammed Khan, released on January 25th, published by Macmillan Children's Books. Muslim Salim, a 15-year-old Muslim girl who dreams of being a writer, struggles with, struggles with controlling parents who only care about her studying to be a doctor. When her best friend is shamed in a scandal, Muzna is forced to move to a new school in South London. While her new school has its fair share of bullies and prejudice, she catches the eye of Arif, the hottest boy in school. But Arif has secrets, and his brother Jamil starts to influence Muzna with his views of the world. Now Muzna must face an impossible choice. Keep quiet and betray her beliefs, or speak out and betray her heart. Ooh. It is a book about uh, extremist Islamophobia, uh, bullying. I've heard great things about this book. So definitely go read it. Yeah. Next up, American Panda by Gloria Chow. Releases on February 6th, published by Simon Pulse. May, a 17-year-old freshman at MIT, has followed her parents' plan so far. Now all she has to do is become a doctor, marry a nice Taiwanese Ivy Leaguer, and have lots of babies. With everything her parents have sacrificed to make her cushy life a reality, May can't bring herself to tell her parents the truth, that she's a germaphobe and shudders at the thought of medical school, and that she has a crush on a Japanese-American classmate. But when she reconnects with her brother Shing, who is estranged from the family for dating the wrong woman, May starts to wonder if all the secrets are truly worth it. I want this book. <laughs> seems, I want it. It seems very relatable. I've wanted a college book for a really long time, like an Asian American in college, because we normally get like middle schoolers, high schoolers, and it's really nice that uh, we're getting more like college and also post-college books now yeah uh next up is checked by cynthia Kadohada. releases on february 6th published by anthenium caitlin doley books hockey is connor's life there are very few things connor and his dad love more than the game and one of those things is their doberman sinbad when sinbad is diagnosed with cancer connor chooses to cut back on ice time to pay for his dog's chemotherapy but without hockey to distract him, Connor begins to notice more, like his dad's crying bouts and his friend's difficult family life. And then Connor notices one more thing. Without hockey, the one thing that makes him feel special, is he really special at all? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a middle grade novel, by the way. Yeah, I was going to ask that. It sounds like a good message for, for the kiddos out there. Um, 
And last up is Shadow Song by S.J. Jones, releases on February 6th, published by Wednesday Books, six months after the end of Winter Song. Liesl is working toward furthering both her brothers and her own musical careers. But life in the world isn't as easy as Liesl had hoped. Her younger brother, Joseph, is cold and withdrawn, while Liesl can't forget the austere young man she left beneath the earth. When troubling signs arise that the barrier between worlds is crumbling, Liesl must return to the underground to unravel the mystery of life, death, and the Goblin King. Who he was, who he is, and who he will be. Uh, if I'm correct, the first book, Winter Song, was inspired by Labyrinth, the movie. That, that would make sense. Yes. There is a Goblin King in that movie as well. Yes. <laughs> um, and those are your upcoming new releases in Asian American literature. Uh, really quickly, let's go through some of the latest news headlines. Okay. First up on our news is Delacorte Press bought debut author Amelie Wen Zhao's YA fantasy trilogy, Blood Air. The epic follows a fugitive princess with a dark secret and a charismatic con man who forge an unlikely alliance in order to save themselves, each other, and their kingdom. The first book is slated for summer 2019. Yeah, I saw the pitch for this on on Twitter. I think it was during DV Pit, and uh, I'm really glad that it got picked up. Awesome. Um, next up, Little Brown acquired Samir Ahmed's YA novel, Internment. Set in the near future, Muslim Americans are forced into an internment camp, and 17-year-old Layla Amin must find the courage to fight back against Islamophobia, oppression, and complicit silence. Publication is set for spring 2019. Yo, I am so glad that there's an own voices version of American Heart, because that's totally what this is. <laughs> I, I am so yeah. happy. I, like... I hope it does really, really well. And it's Samir Ahmed, so like I'm pretty sure it's going to be amazing. Um, and our last piece of news is not really related to Asian American literature, but uh, I think it's important to men- mention this. Uh, Ursula K. Le Guin passed away on January 22nd at the age of 88. Um, Ursula Leguine, she is like a very prolific uh, sci-fi and fantasy novelist. She was also a really big advocate for feminism and uh, and just like equal rights in publishing. Yeah, I saw that her um, her passing kind of took over literary Twitter for a while. Um, yeah, like her her series, the Earthsea series, that was pretty much Harry Potter before Harry Potter because mm. uh, it's about like a it's about a boy who ends up going to wizard school. So see, see the similarity there. Um, but um, it's interesting for that series because if I'm not mistaken, the protagonist is a dark skinned character. Okay. So like that was very like progressive. That's very progressive. That time, yeah. And also like her other famous book, The Left Hand of Darkness. It takes place on a planet where uh, everyone is like ambisexual. Mm. Like there's no actual... Uh, gender so like that was also very interesting and that was like published in like the late 60s early 70s so also very very progressive if you're gonna go sci-fi fantasy why not just try to create the world you want to see yeah um speaking of dark skin wizards have you seen these um illustrations of zen shows oh yeah yeah i've been liking them left and right (laughs) i think that's how they popped up on my feed i'm so excited for uh the sequel because it's coming out this year but i don't know when awesome we should get zen on the on the pod to talk about sometime (laughs) slide into our dms um but those are the new releases and top news of the recent asian american literature um 
world, I guess. Um, on that note, uh, I guess it's time to talk about our January book club pick. Uh, as always, you can also contribute to our conversation by posting on our Goodreads forums. Just go to goodreads.com and join the Books and Boba Goodreads group. Uh, we had quite a few people post uh, about their thoughts about the book. Um, a couple questions here and there that we're going to bring up during the pod. But overall, it looks like people really enjoyed reading this. And you can add me and reread to the list as well. Um, it's a really important read, I feel like. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, but before we get to uh, the discussion, just a quick warning. We will be spoiling the book. So if you do plan on reading this book, I recommend you don't listen to us talk about it until you read it. <laughs> it's, it's or, just... or don't really care about spoilers. Yeah. Like, if you get mad that we spoiled the book for you, then that's I mean, on you. I feel like there's not much to... Oh, there's a couple big spoilers but even i feel like even knowing certain things it's still a good book to read just to like just to immerse yourself in this in the story right yeah. um as always we're gonna start by reading the what do you call this the jacket intro <laughs> <laughs> the jacket description of the of the book so this is pachinko by min jin lee it is a national book award finalist um and one of the best novels of 2017 according to like a lot of people in the early 1900s teenage sanja the adored daughter of a crippled fisherman falls for a wealthy stranger at the seashore near her home in korea he promises her the world but when she discovers she is pregnant and that her lover is married she refuses to be bought instead she accepts an offer of marriage from a gentle sickly minister passing through on his way to japan but her decision to abandon her home and to reject her son's powerful father sets off a dramatic saga that will echo through the generations so based on that you kind of think oh maybe it's like you know maybe it's like korean notebook or something korean but notebook what it's way more than that <laughs> okay so um i guess when i first heard about this book i thought it was going to be more of like a I mean, it is definitely a historical fiction novel, but I thought it would touch more on like political stuff and uh, and just like uh, more like like more events that happened in the war. But it's actually very like centered on uh, on like this one family's struggles and journey and not much of like political uh political happenings i mean it happens in the background but yeah. it's not really like center to the book and i actually really like that um i was telling marvin before this pod before we started re recording this i come from a very biased position when it comes to reading this well you are korean i am um. not only uh of korean descent but both sides of my family, uh, they were independence activists. And, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I have great grandparents and uh, aunts and uncles who um, have fought and died during the <laughs> independence movement. And, um, and this was during colonial This was during times. the colonial times. And uh, also my grandfather, he went to Waseda, for uh for law but then he had to drop out because uh, he had to take care of his family back on the farm and my parents 
always drill this into me. They they always say like. Your grandfather was amazing. Do you know how much discrimination he had to face when he went to Waseda? Like they hate Koreans over there, and I kind of grew up like listening to all that stuff. So, so <laughs> another thing Reba told me before, because I've seen this book on Reba's bookshelf for most of the life of this podcast, and I always like I've asked a couple times, "Is it time to read Pachinko?" And she would always go, "Not yet, <laughs> not yet. I'm not ready. I'm not ready." Yeah. <laughs> Um, but here like we I are. Said, yeah. yeah, like I said, I come from a very, very biased position, and uh, yeah, it's like it was. It was pretty difficult for me to get through some parts of this book because uh, there were like references here and there, like mm-hmm. uh, the March First Movement, and uh, and just like how, like. Koreans were imprisoned uh, in Japanese prisons, and then they were let go right after, like right before they died. And, yeah, uh, it's stories that I have heard from my family, and there's actually like, like the hometown that my dad is from in Korea. There's actually a, a museum there. There's it's the Korean Independence Museum. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I I grew up knowing a lot of the stuff that uh, the Japanese did to the Koreans. I actually know more about the colonial era than the actual Korean War. Really, no one talks about it in my family. Both of my grandparents <laughs> they they uh they fought in the Korean War, and no one talks about it. So I actually don't know anything about it. Um, but. With and also like by extension, I knew kind of uh, like basic information about uh, Zainichi. I don't really want to call Korean Japanese Zainichi because that um, that word means like temporarily staying in Japan, right? And I don't think that is a apt description for people who have been living there for three, four generations. It's interesting, yeah. So um, because the way that I internalized what I was reading was. Like, was kind of transferring what I know about American culture and like, like the xenophobia I see in America, translating that from the xenophobia I read in the book. Yeah. So, um, because my my background is, of course, um, I'm Chinese by way of Taiwan, meaning that um, my parents, uh, my family came to Taiwan before the Civil War, and then basically just couldn't go home because the communists had taken over. And, like, there's a lot of crap that goes with that as well. But in terms of, you know, learning about the Korean, ethnic Koreans in in Japan, this was my first exposure to it um, yeah. through this story. Yeah, like, I thought, I thought it was very interesting because, like, in America, Korean Americans and, and also, like, Asian Americans in general were kind of upheld as, like, the model minority and saying, like, oh, they work so hard, why can't, like... <laughs> like, why can't other minorities be like that? And we're like a wedge. But yeah. in Japan, though, where um, Koreans are kind of seen as inferior, uh, crude, and uh, up to no good, part of the Yakuza, yeah. criminal activities, all that stuff. I mean, it's changed now because we're we're a couple of generations removed from uh, the colonial period, but... There is still a lot of discrimination. Um, it's just kind of moved into the internet and also uh, in very subtle ways. 
Um, I think we'll get more into that uh, later in the discussion because, yeah. Uh, yeah, there is a lot to talk about before then. So how do you want to start? Where do we start from? Do we start from the beginning or? Um, I guess we can start with the first arc of the book, which takes place in the 1910s to uh, the 1930s. So right. during the colonial era, and that's when we're introduced to Sunja, who is the uh, kind of like the anchor to this book. Yeah, she's the only character that um, exists all throughout the entire, from the beginning, from the first chapter to yeah. the last chapter. Yeah, I, I really liked how the book opened up. Uh, the opening line was, history has failed us, but no matter. And uh, I said earlier that I was surprised that this book didn't really touch on uh, <laughs> a, on a lot of like political and uh, and just like wartime stories. I but mean, it doesn't touch on that, but everything it 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 like, affects. Them. Yeah, like everything that character that this family goes through is because of politics that doesn't concern them personally, but affects them all the same. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's more about survival because yeah. you know like. Like the Yangba and the aristocrats don't care for the poor, and like you're also like under Japanese rule, and neither of those parties are really taking care of uh, Sunja's family. So it's all about survival and what you can do to make sure that your family can eat and yeah. have a roof over their head. Um, it's interesting. So I like the first chapter explaining. Like within poor families, like even getting married wasn't a guarantee, right? People were like, it kind of establishes a lot of like the values of Korean culture and kind of all the superstitions and all the, all the, um, I wouldn't say it was really superstitions. I think it was just economy. Like, yeah. I mean, the like, values, right? Like, because Sunja's father had a cleft lip, he was not desirable. Yeah. But then because there weren't enough men for daughters to marry it was more like not a lot of men were able to marry because they didn't have the dowry like the bride gift price and they were unable to provide homes for for women yeah and i mean korean culture is so entrenched in patriarchy and it's something that i still get very angry (laughs) about um and it like it's very infuriating because like korean culture is so built on like the confucian hierarchy and yeah that didn't exist like that, in ancient korea that came that's our bad that's that came Chinese later yeah. like before then women are, were allowed to own property <laughs> they were allowed to they were allowed to have jobs on their own so it's it's just like it's something that's, that makes me really mad that's <laughs> from back. that's from when the chinese empire took over yeah fuck you guys <laughs> <Korea>. no <laughs> um, but no, I mean, in terms of like, because of the cleft lip, because of the deformities of her father, like the family was seen as like, oh, there's like some sort of cursed blood or something. And that's, that's something that, that's another thing that goes throughout, just like this idea of you being hereditarily cursed. Yeah. And then there was all, like in, in the beginning chapters, there was always like this worry that like the child might inherit the, the father's like cleft lip and yeah. like his, uh, his bad leg. And, uh, but at the same time, it was just like, it's like, well, like, what can you do? Like, yeah. we, just, we just have to move forward. So the first part uh, ends with them having a daughter instead of a son who's quote unquote perfect. Yeah. Right? 
in terms of like no deformities, no health problems, and survives through childhood. Which back then you don't realize this, but like as early as the last century, like it wasn't guaranteed that your kids would survive yeah. through the first year or two. That's why we have the uh, the celebration, the birthday celebration. Like what is it? Like the hundredth day. Yeah. Like it, we call it tour, and. Marvin pronounces it doll. It's um no, I, I do that to annoy my Korean friends, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's that's the first birthday where you where you're supposed to like choose your destiny, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, one, it's like a, it's just like, yay, this baby did not die, and <laughs> and it might survive past uh, its like second year. Yeah, it's um, interesting though because throughout the story, there's only they only portray one doll. Yeah, yeah. right, but that's that's later on. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very Korean thing. I don't mm. think Japan does anything similar. Yeah, I know. I know they have a celebration uh, for like three year olds, six year olds, and nine year olds, but uh, I don't. I don't think they do like the hundredth day uh, celebration. I'm not sure about j- the Japanese. Um, I know Chinese people. We do the hundred day celebration. Oh, sure. okay. Yeah. So the fisherman Huni and his wife Yunjin have a daughter named um, Sunja, and Huni owns a. Um, a boarding, a boarding house. house, right? That's that's the family business. It's established early on that a woman's worth is based on how well she marries and like how uh and her chastity. Yeah. And uh that's where we get into like kind of the first uh yeah. like the inciting incident pretty much of this book, which is Sunja uh meets this suave korean japanese like, guy fishmonger right yeah he's like a fish seller or buyer uh she meets kohansu and yeah. uh he's like like she she genuinely thinks that he loves her and uh, well he saves her from japanese bullies yes we're trying to rape her yes um and she finds out uh first spoiler she she finds out that he has a wife back in Osaka and after getting pregnant after she yeah. got pregnant and he's he's just like oh you can be like my mistress i'll take care of you and like our child he said my korean wife like yeah. my wife in korea and my wife in korea <clears throat> this is your first like like kohansu sticks around for the entire story like he's not like just like oh he's just a baby daddy he's not in the picture he like he sticks around he's a he's a huge driving force in the story of pachinko and this is the your first uh kind of your first intro into how he views the world yeah right how he he doesn't he bucks tradition he doesn't care about tradition like he like everything is something that can be fixed yeah or can everything be, yeah. is something that can be bought with money and yeah. power um but yeah like with sunja it it was kind of like i don't want to be your mistress because that means whatever child i have won't have a surname and therefore, they won't have like, like any rights in this country. And yeah. it's true, like, like orphans and uh, and like children born out of wedlock, they 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 had no future. So it was kind of something that uh, I don't want to just say like, oh, it's kind of like a curse, but <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, again, the the whole idea of like passing down a tainted legacy yeah right yeah. tainted legacies come up a lot in <laughs> in this book um but um i, I just want to like power through this this yeah. first arc she meets uh 
a missionary, Isaac, who a minister, minister. a minister, yeah. minister. Um, Isaac, who is from like a very rich family back up north in Pyongyang, yeah, yeah, and he comes down because he is on his way to go see his brother in Osaka, yeah, to be um to be a minister in one of the congregations there, and he's also very sickly, like he's had tuberculosis multiple times, multiple times, yeah, um, but and he offers to uh, be her husband because he always thought that like. He would never have children because he's yeah. too sick. Also, he feels like he feels he's, he owes them a debt because they nursed him through his second bout with tuberculosis yeah. when he was staying with them. And he's just the type of person who like he's very like altruistic and very some people might say naive, but very like all this is to set up the fact that they move to Osaka in Japan and become like immigrant like Yeah, become Korean immigrants yeah. in in, in Japan. Japan. Yeah. And that's where we get like first generation immigrant story, which yeah. is uh this is still set in colonial times. Uh the war hasn't started and uh Koreans are treated you I mean the war's been going on. I mean for the a while. war's been going <laughs> yeah. on, but like I mean Korea didn't colonize itself. No, no. Um but they like once they arrive in Osaka, you realize how badly Koreans are treated there. Yeah. Like Sunja, who doesn't have any Western clothes, she's still dressed in hanbok. Uh, like she gets like, like stares when she's when she's like, when she's getting off the train, and uh, she realizes that. I mean, it's like a first glimpse at like the the. The difference between Japan and Korea when it comes to yeah. technology, when it comes to modernization. Um, I mean, they essentially live in a ghetto, right? They live in Kaino, which is like the Korean ghetto in Osaka. And very quickly, you see the the tropes of – this is where I kind of start seeing the tropes of like the Asian-American immigrant story where – um, especially what we read in The Sympathizer, where you have these people with like prominent positions or nobility or whatever, and they come to – they become an immigrant and all of a sudden – Everything changes now. They have to work. Now they're like the bottom rung society. They no longer enjoy like um, Isak's family is, is a rich family from Pyongyang, mm-hmm. and in Japan they're like the poorest of the poor. Yeah, like right? uh, you you quickly realize that Koreans they they can't get any housing because Japanese people won't uh, won't rent out to Koreans. You realize that they can't really get any any jobs outside of like blue collar work and even then you're lucky because yeah. uh like so a lot of the times they'll um well they'll say there's like why should i keep you or give you a raise when there's 10 people who would do yeah, your job for 10 cheaper, people will, right? yeah like people are so desperate like the perils work. of industrialization uh, yeah. becoming industrialization and i don't know what did you think about the scene where uh, when isaac first um arrives and his brother yosep is basically um Telling him you can't be nice here. Stop being like you have to like toughen up to survive here. Yeah, right. Like, I was like, don't lend money. Don't let people know how rich you are. Like I found it really interesting that like Yosef lives. Yosef owns his house. Yeah, but he makes an effort to make it look like he doesn't. And like the outside of the house is plain and dirty, but the inside is nice. Yeah, right. It's. It's just like a matter of survival, right? Like people will do anything yeah. to feed their kids. And it's like, well, if you let people know that you have more 
yeah. than them, then they will take it. You can't count on people saying, oh, we're all in this together. It's like, it's like the, the immigrant struggle. Where like, it's the conflict between self-preservation and collective support. Yeah. Right? Like, we should be all be in this together. But when push comes to shove and survival is on the table, everyone's going to take care of themselves. Yeah. That's the situation they find themselves in as we go into the next generation, which is part two of the book. Where um, Sanjay gives birth to Noah, who is the son of um, Kohansu, Kohansu um, but then also gives birth to another son with Noah named Mozasu, Moses. Um, and part two starts with Isak um, being arrested. Arrested because uh, if you've read this book, then you probably know already, but Christianity in Japan was uh, seen as. Um, as being a traitorous act towards the emperor. Yeah, because the emperor is the head of the, re- the, sh- the head religion. of religion. Yeah, yeah. So, um, a lot of a lot of uh, Christian missionaries and ministers were uh, were arrested back yeah. then. And uh, so, I guess um, what happened was, Isak's church, um, the not the not the head not the head minister, but the. Um, I don't know what to what to call him. I, I'll, I'll just call him the deputy minister. He's yeah. he's of Chinese descent. Manchurian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when they're supposed to go to the shrine and like kind of pray for the emperor, they find out that he is saying the Lord's prayer. Yeah. And instead of like taking it back, he says, "I'd rather." He doubles down. Yeah, he's like, "I'd rather die, uh, believing in my faith rather than like pretending to <laughs> to." Uh, to worship another god, it's idolatry and yeah. and all that stuff. Um, and the thing is, like Isaac, he he's not really involved. He just happened to be there at the wrong time and place because he's not the one who said the Lord's prayer. He's he, not, but because he's such a good dude, you know. Like, I don't think it was anything to do with him being a good dude. He was just there. He was standing next to yeah. the Manchurian minister and um and. You know, the Japanese back then didn't need a reason, you know? Yeah. And um, the entire time when, like, Sunja and, like, Yosef and Kyungi, they plead with the clerk at the at the police station saying, like, you didn't do anything wrong. Like, like, like you have to let us speak to him. And, and they were like, no, if he's innocent, then, like, he'll get off. No problem. Yeah. But that turns out not to be true. He stays in prison for over a year. No, like over six years. Over six years, yeah, right? Yeah, a, a long time, and that's like the helplessness of, a, like people who have like, not even that they don't have rights; they're not even seen as basic, basic humans, humans in the eyes of the law, and you you feel that frustration that and the unfairness that I mean, you you, you know. see that like this is a rigged system, yeah. like, like the. The peop- the Japanese police say, say like, oh, there's like nothing we can do. But it's like, no, there is something you can do. You can let him go, let him have a free trial, but He's, they don't. Yeah. So it is – so inherently like the reason why like Yos- Yosep was telling his brother, don't make trouble, don't ever contact the police, don't do not do this, don't do that. It It's warranted because yeah. the police aren't going to take the Korean side. And this is something that we see in America as well. Like uh, um, a lot of minorities are targeted by the police, yeah, and, and people assume the worst about your your 
group based on stereotypes and based on. But like those, but like a lot of the times, those stereotypes are created because the system doesn't allow them to have jobs. It it doesn't allow them to have the things that they need in order to survive. So how else are they going to make a living? They're going to turn to criminal activities and all that, and it's a vicious cycle. And this isn't just like Koreans in Japan. It's like any marginalized group in in like a in a country where like the the dominant group uh has power and don't see them as humans yeah we've seen this with like uh like we've seen this with the jews in in europe we've seen this with uh black people in america today and also muslims in america today so uh inherently i think pachinko is very relatable (laughs) because it's it, it's really funny that it is that relatable because this takes place in like the 1900s and it's 2018 now. I mean, it makes you just realize that people are crappy everywhere. And all you need is a reason to differentiate someone and blame them for problems and you get the same results. It's interesting that you said uh, people are crappy everywhere because that is pretty much a quote that one of uh, one of the characters say. <laughs> Uh, I think it's Solomon who yeah. – the um, and we'll get to Solomon a bit later, but he does mention there are good Koreans, bad Koreans, good Japanese, bad Japanese. Yeah. It does not matter. You will always find bad people in wherever you go. And that's not really the mentality that his uh, grandparents and his parents had growing yeah. up. So you see – like throughout this book, you see like how – like mindset and acceptance and tolerance it changes generationally too and maybe it comes down to like what your priorities are right like sunja's like her generation it's all about keeping your head down keeping low profile and just making sure your next generation has the best um the best um opportunities possible um and then the next generation and i guess we can go into so this is kind of where the narrative shifts from from Sunja's generation to Noah and Mosasu, who are her sons, um, and they're they're pretty much polar opposites when yeah. it comes to what it means to be Korean. Yeah. Um, they both f- face discrimination in their school place. They get bullied. They're told that their food smells, and told to go back to their country. The classics, you know. Yeah, and <laughs> they're like they're pretty much like textbook subjects for what is quote unquote and then they make this distinction in the book a good korean and a bad korean right the good korean studies hard works hard and tries to stays calm never never uh never does well in school doesn't like doesn't stick out well this is a stereotype that like still exists today and it's the modern minority stereotype in america right yeah it is but like i I was gonna say like oh koreans are still seen uh by the japanese as like uh very uh, in a positive way passionate (laughs) (laughs) in a negative way angry uh, angry (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and i have to say there is some truth to that but uh yeah like for Noah, he always tried to stay calm, always speak respectfully, and uh, did yeah. his best to be like a model student. Whereas Mozasu, very fiery. He would fight anyone who like he he wouldn't fight people just to fight. But if anyone got like in his face or threatened people that he cared about, he wouldn't hesitate to throw down. Yeah, 
And for him, it was just like there is no good or bad Korean because everyone is treated terribly. Well, even <laughs> even as growing up as a school age kid, like he knew that like if people thought his brother was a good Korean, then they he knew they definitely thought him as the bad Korean. Yeah. And at some point, he just decided to like screw it. I'm just gonna like and so there's this um there's this scene in while they're hiding on the farm during World War II when Osako's being bombed. Mm-hmm. Where the two boys are talking about what they want to be, right? Yeah. Um, and Noah says, "I want to be a educated man like father was." Yeah. Um, he still like the, he still believes his, that Isaac was his, his um, birth yeah, his, father. And then Moses also says, "Well, I don't like reading. I want to be rich, but I want to be rich because I don't want so that auntie and mom don't have to work anymore." Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's. I do want to mention uh, Sunjan Kyungi working mm-hmm. because for the longest time they were not allowed to work. Yeah. Um, Isak, even though he made pretty much nothing working as a minister, like and Yosep too, and Yosep yeah. like you know he he had to like get a loan from loan sharks and pretty much Sunja had to like take care of it by selling her uh belongings you know he's your typical like so yosep is like he's a good dude i feel like he's at his heart he's a good good person but he's very much like that like patriarch like women are supposed to be in the kitchen uh women aren't supposed to work um, the man's supposed to provide for his family See, like right the thing is like that is such like an ar- aristocratic way of looking at things because like poor classes like people in like poor rungs of society they were like you have to work yeah like in order to survive so there's a lot of like well that, and that was that was the loophole that they found was well sunja can go work in the market kyunghee can help her prepare yeah but as long as kyunghee's not in the market it's okay based on like the this value structure that yosep has in his head and it's like it's it's so weird because they're not living in Korea anymore. The Yangban class is like pretty much gone at this point because like uh, the Japanese are taking away land from uh, landowners in Korea. And it's just like those values have no ground in <laughs> Japan. They're like, but like it still exists because they have like. They want to hold on to like it's the whole like, yeah, you one of the themes in this story is identity and heritage and what do you hold on to as you become absorbed into like what is what what does nationality culture heritage traditions mean yeah and what does that mean depending on your gender your economic status and just like there's like all these tiers you know your environment your geography even nature versus nurture like yeah um noah grew up to be very much like uh like temperament wise, like his like his adoptive father, um, even though his actual father probably is more has more in common with Moses. Um, uh, but yeah, they're able to work and you, you this is where Hans comes back in the picture, where you see he kind of pulled the strings to make sure that they had jobs and they were able to support themselves because of providing for his son. Yeah. Right. Which is another glimpse at patriarchy here. It's just like he has three daughters and he considers them worthless. And he's like, oh, a son that's not really like a son that was born out of wedlock is better than teaching my daughters to take over the business. But well, he also mentions that his daughters don't 
care. Don't care yeah. and and stuff like that. Yeah. Um um but yeah, so um the story goes into the story shifts to Noah and Mozasu becoming young adults. Right? And and Noah gets into Waseda. But they don't have the money. Yeah. So Hanzu steps in. Yeah. And it's it's very interesting because you continually see the differences uh, between Noah and Musasu. Musasu doesn't even graduate from high school. Yeah. He decides to work at a pachinko parlor, and you get you know very early on that that is like one of the only jobs that uh, Korean Japanese people can get because mm-hmm. uh, pachinko is kind of seen as a dirty business it's gambling it's so gambling automatically you it draws um connotations of cr- criminals and criminality i mean we say it's gambling but it's not really gambling because it's rigged they fiddle with the machines beforehand so there there is like an allotted number of losers and winners i don't want to break it but that's what gambling is no it's not <laughs> There's still a chance to win with with gambling. There's also a chance to win in pachinko. Ah, uh, I, I guess, <laughs> but like the outcome is so fixed. You just have to believe you're one of the lucky ones. I don't know. Say that with poker. <laughs> but oh. with like Noah, like she, he goes to Waseda and uh, he meets his first girlfriend and Akiko. Akiko yeah. and wow. Um, <laughs> So what did you think about her? She's like kind of your firebrand, like I would with, call her with daddy issues, I guess. I don't know, like parent issues. Yeah, like I mean daddy issues, but also it's just kind of like, look, I'm dating. Like this is the equivalent of like, hey, you're my black friend. Yeah, like performative yeah, like, it's wokeness, like, right? Yeah, it's like, like false ally and you know, she tells him like, oh, I like the fact that you're Korean. Like, I'm liberal. I'm different from my conservative parents. It makes me superior. And <laughs> that's when he, that's when Noah realizes that she's never seen him as, as just like her boyfriend mm-hmm. or even like just a human being. She's only seen him as like, uh, like as a Korean and a way to like elevate her her status and her image as like this very progressive person. Yeah. And she kind of like Fs with them because at the end, she's the one that tells them like, you know, he's your father, right? Like Kohansu because she like barges into one of their meetings yeah, and sends them down like what will be his like spiral. Yeah. Right. And uh, like, I do want to talk about that spiral because with Noah, like he has believed his entire life that if he, does everything correctly if he doesn't speak out and keep his head down uh he will be rewarded but thinking about it, not only him thinking this like this that's what he's been told his entire life from his mother his father his biological father his uncle like he is basically your immigrant dream son right like good at school uh, good at sports good at everything and he's gonna like he's there's so much pressure on him, and this this is like something that doesn't go away, even with him going down a spiral and cutting all ties. Yeah. Right. Well, like when he finds out, he confronts his mother Sunja, and Sunja like is desperate and tells him, like, you know, I like I love you as if you were Isaac's son. Like, blood doesn't matter. He was your father, and 
Noah's, Noah pretty much says, no, blood does matter because I'm dirty because I have Yakuza blood in me and everything that you have told me is a lie. And I think the way he, um, this is kind of jumping ahead, but he pretty much tries to restart his life. And um, he moves to Yokohama. Not, N- not Nagano. Yo- N- Nagano, sorry. Moses, not Moses moves Moses to Yokohama. Moves to Yokohama. Yeah. <laughs> so he moves to Nagano, which is like kind of like a rural area. And he he's trying to pass as a Japanese. Yeah. And he thinks that he can pretty much uh, kind of cleanse this Korean part of him by like, pretty much like by acting as a Japanese by like marrying a Japanese wife and yeah. then like not telling anybody but there's also that irony there that the only job he can land is, in a, Nagano, is at a pachinko parlor which is something he like Abhors. looked down on his brother for working at a pachinko parlor yeah. right so like to him like he did everything right he still ended up in the same place it it is very tragic in a way that Noah is so desperate to assimilate, you know, like, yeah. whereas like Muzasu, like, I feel like with Muzasu, he's just like, yeah, I'm Korean. So what? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's nothing that I can change, but like, I'm going to do the best with my lot. Whereas like with Noah, it's just like, in order to be a worthwhile person, I have to, like, I have to be Japanese. There's only one way. Yeah. I mean, no one wants to conform to what society expects of him. Or what he thinks society expects of him, whereas Mozasu throughout the throughout his arc makes the world conform to him, right? He yeah. he goes and he marries his you know his his first wife, um, and then when she passes away, like um, years later, he starts dating a Japanese woman who like basically the whole world's telling him that's not okay, but he's just like I'm just gonna do it because you know, and I don't care if she can't marry me, I like being. I, I like this, and this is what I'm going to do. There are two types of immigrants in the <laughs> world. One is is you adapt, like the immigrants who adapt, and yeah. the other, not so much. And, you know, you kind of see that with uh, Noah and Mozasu. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't think Noah didn't adapt. Like, he was adapting, but he was adapting through, like, a different way. He was yeah. trying to... He was trying to adapt to expectations whereas Mozasa was like whatever you're gonna think what you're gonna think i don't need to worry about what you think yeah um we i guess we should move on to uh <laughs> the the whole suicide part yeah so this is a part whole. where so this is where a lot of our goodreads members were wanted us to like touch on because it's it's, it's, it's a huge part of the book. And suicide is a, not a motif, but is a topic that gets broached actually quite a bit in the book. Um, even though it only happens, what, like twice in the actual story? Twice in the actual story, yeah. but you see, per, you see it in the peripheries. Yeah. Um, like Noah's wife, uh, she, her father uh, killed himself by suicide because of, like shame because yeah. he killed his patients uh, through malpractice. And then as soon as he uh, killed himself, like her mom like had a mental breakdown and now she's like 
you know, stuck in a wheelchair and her yeah. mind's not the same. And therefore, those two things have made her unmarried, like, yeah, your family, undesired your, for your, marriage. Your blood is not tainted with suicide and mental illness. There's a lot of, right. a, a lot of just like, oh, like, because of what your parents did or what your parents have become, it has tainted you and you are kind of like, tied to this bad legacy yeah and it has nothing to do with like whether or not like you've done good things in your life it's just like it's just part of you yeah and another through line is a lot of just like not ideation but like thinking that like your loved ones the world would be better off without you there right yosep goes through this um uncle yosep which is who was isak's brother um after being badly burned during and Something that like I didn't realize when I read it was like, yeah, he got sent to Nagasaki. Oh, as soon as I read that, I'm just like, oh, is he gonna die? Because yeah. um, that is not a good place to go before 1945. Um, Surprisingly, he survived. He survived the, the big one, but then he the building like a wall fell on him and he got yeah. badly burned. Uh, but he was thinking like, now that he can't provide for his family, they'd be better off without him. That's something he says. Um, there's a scene where. Uh, Mozasu, whose best friend turns out to be a, a detective, which is funny, um, talking about how they each thought about suicide when they were younger too, and like how it sometimes it just be easier not to struggle. Um, but at the end, the person who does commit suicide is Noah. Um, after he after his mom finally finds him after like was like. 11 years of like hiding. Yeah. And so, um, Goodreads member, um, Akalina asked, I still don't fully understand the reason behind Noah's suicide though. I understand he struggled with his identity and his father's bad blood and, and way of making money. But since he had made a different life for himself, why would he commit suicide right after his mother's visit? The bit at the end where we find out that he was regularly visiting Isaac's grave while he had run away is even more confusing for me. What are your thoughts on that? Mm. So there's this chapter before uh, Noah meets his mother, and it's when his son asks about curses and how do you break a curse. And I think that was kind of when Noah had this idea that, that like, it doesn't matter that... uh like that he's living as this false like Japanese person. I mean, he is Japanese, but yeah. like, you know, like he has been hiding his Korean identity and he thought that like by doing that it's it's like setting his children free from this quote unquote bad blood. But um he real like when his mom shows up at his work, he's like, "Oh no, like my past is going to like come back and bite me like bite me in the ass and uh he realizes that he'll never really be free from kwansu who has been monitoring him mm -hmm. and he knows that he um like his family will always be looking for him always like like will always kind of be in the background he can't really escape his uh his heritage and his family so i think him killing himself in suicide was a way to break his break his children's ties to him kind of like quote unquote ending the curse of being korean to make them um to make them like 
Like, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, that's kind of what I got from that chapter. And also, it, it, like, if you think about it, like, suicide is, is a very, um, it's a very Japanese, it's a very Japanese and Korean, it's a weird cultural thing. Yeah. I mean, that's something that, um, Jess also, a good, good reason remember Jess, um, asked is, the motif of um, suicide, do you think it was an intentional theme or does it just reflect people's mindset in that setting geographically and historically? Um, I think culturally it's always like, you, know, you hear about like samurais um, killing themselves to like when their masters like fall or. Same thing with women, like, you yeah. know, as soon as their chastity is compromised, it's like the only way to be free from their sin is to kill themselves. And um I think there is that there is this like notion in the book that um trying to trying to articulate this in a way that would be understandable. Well, I mean, Mozasu says later on, you know, after he learns after like years after the suicide that like, yeah, his brother wanted to be so Japanese it killed him. Yeah. Right, when he was like talking to his friend. I think there, there, there are people in this book with kind of like a fatalistic mindset. Like their fate is kind of set in stone and there's mm. nothing they can do to change it. And therefore life is kind of not worth living at that point. And then there are people in the book who kind of have a different mindset or like, I don't care if this is the way it's always been. Yeah. Like I need to survive because I have loved ones that I have to take care of. So. There is a contrast in those two mindsets of like that 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 the characters have. Um, I like I honestly don't know if like it was like an intentional motif. I mean, it- intentional or not, it's a natural part of surviving, yeah. right? Like the first part of survival is really deciding that survival is what like is the option, like. When you, if you want to survive, death is out of the question. You do what you can to make sure everyone is. You do what you can to make sure you you live. Right? It's. I also think it's interesting that like, like I think all of the characters who killed themselves in suicide were men, not the women. Mm. And it, it it kind of brings into question like what happens when a marginalized like men in a marginalized group when their masculinity is oppressed right yeah and it's like how like how far does it drive them to the edge i mean now that i think about it like kim chongsil who is like the one of their friends and basically like their one of their guardians during during the wartime and post- he's the one who gives Sunja and kyungi their first yeah. job pretty much and he, like he essentially commits suicide by like foregoing like because he's in love with Kyunghee, but he knows that Kyunghee will never leave Yosep, even though he's bedridden. And Even though Yosep said it was okay. Yeah. Um, and there's a the whole thing where, like, maybe he, like, he was in love with the idea of her. And, like, if she was the type of woman who would leave Yosep, then he wouldn't be in uh, – just this whole complicated love, whatever. Um, but he decides to go back to North Korea, which is essentially a death sentence, right, for for yep. for him. Yep. Uh, instead of like dealing with this unrequited love, I forgot the quote that Hanzu tells um, Changho when Changho mentions that he is thinking about going back home in the north, and mm-hmm. like Hanzu's like, 
don't be stupid. Like yeah. in the north, they will like they will kill you. In the south, they will starve you. Yeah. Like <laughs> there is there there is like this. This is your best option: staying in Japan. It was, yeah, and it was interesting that like it seemed like sympathies for the north was more prevalent in Japan than sympathies for the south because they're saying, well, can like was it like because the whole communist propaganda is all about for the working people. Whereas the South is like, I think there was a line saying that, oh yeah, it's being run by a dictator right now, which was true. I mean, it was martial law, right? Yeah, it was. Back then, Korea, like South, the southern part of Korea wasn't doing so well uh, mm. financially and people were starving and it was not a great time for South Korea compared to North Korea where people yeah. were getting fed. But at the same time- the support of China and the USSR. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And- I mean, Kohansu was like, this is like his, his, his deal, right? He's very independent. He's like, I don't want, like, even going back now, like, you're, instead of the Japanese, now it's the Russians and the Americans that you're, you'll be serving. Like, you'll be under. And why do that when you can be free, freer here if you take care of yeah. yourself? And he, and Hanzu just, you know, is kind of confused, being like, why are you so nationalistic? Like, you've pretty much lived, like, most of your life in Japan. Like, what is your deal with, like, this nationalistic pride with a country that, like, kind of, like, kind of didn't treat you all that well compared to Japan as well? So it's... And that seemed like such a Korean thing as well, because there was that, there's this, um, there's an interstitial um, poem or quote, I think, in Act 2, saying that, like, Korea is everywhere, even if you leave Korea, where you are is Korea. Yeah. And, like, what's that term? Han, right, or, or the um, like the oh Han. Okay, yeah. so they don't I mean, mention that in in the book, but that's kind of what that is, right? Yeah, that like, is that is what that is. Um, so yeah, like a big theme in this book, and we've mentioned it a couple times already. That the inheritance of trauma, the inheritance of shame, and having bad blood. Um, if I could sum up what Han is, it's very difficult because there's no like English equivalence to it. Yeah. But it's pretty much like this, this, it's like a mix of bitterness, grief, anger, and just like this reluctant acceptance for, uh, for all the bad things that have happened. And it is believed by a lot of Koreans that that is passed on through generations and it's like part of our dna and like we're told we're told like koreans we can endure anything because we have we because we like because we've had we we've endured like japanese rule we've endured the war and it's just like we have this han inside of us so yeah that is kind of a big deal in in this book um since we mentioned like chango going back to north korea i do want to talk uh, touch upon this theme of how each generation relates to their quote-unquote motherland yeah because like mozasu and noah have never been to korea because they've kind of been in this limbo of they were born in japan raised in japan born in japan yeah. raised in japan they don't have japanese citizenship at least not anymore their quote unquote citizenship because i don't think it's a real citizenship yeah. but like their their citizenship is tied to united korea and united korea does not exist yeah so it's like they have they have like this piece of paper that says like they're they're from a united korea but that doesn't exist and therefore they are stateless they yeah. 
can't get Japanese citizenship. They, they can't get passports. They can't have visas. Like they essentially can't. They can't leave. They can't leave, even though they're not welcome. And even if they do go back to Korea, like they will always be seen as like Japanese bastards. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's like they're pretty much doomed either way. Yeah, and at this point, there's been such like, and this is something that that is um, personified in later on in Solomon's arc with Phoebe. It's like there's this hatred for Japan that forments in in liberated Korea, like in in the new Korea, like that, like makes it difficult for even for them to go back right yeah they'll yeah it's it's interesting that like like i mean japan was supporting this campaign for koreans to be repatriated in Mm -hmm. korea and a lot of and a lot of it was like with north korea like and and it's just like this this idea that uh like there's this like obsession with purity you know it's just like oh if you're not like it's like oh if you only have like a little bit of foreign blood in you you're not welcome yeah yeah like it like there's like this obsession with it and and the funny thing is that most of the koreans who were living in japan at that time were from Busan. they were from the very most southern part of korea but (laughs) You know, then they get repatriated in North Korea. Yeah. And most of them don't come back. And it's, oh, it's like. And that that's another theme that goes like just the Japanese um, cultural desire for purity and to like for not sticking out. And there's, uh, again, like we should, we should probably head to Solomon's arc because yeah. we're going to touch on a lot of themes from there. But this idea that, yeah, like peacetime Japan is all about conformity. Yeah. Um, and if you can't conform, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you don't have 100% Japanese blood, even a little bit, you're like, you're st- you stick out and you're going to get ostracized. I remember recently, uh, Miss Japan was mixed race. Yeah. And she got a lot of flack for it. People were saying, like, she's not, like, truly Japanese, even though she was, like, like third <laughs> generation. And... Yeah, like that discrimination and obsession with like purity is still there today. Yeah. And um moving on to Solomon. So like, Solomon, yeah, Solomon is Mozasu's son from his first wife. First wife. Did he ever marry Etsuko? Uh it it wasn't clear. Yeah. I don't think they did. Um Solomon calls <clears throat> him, uh, calls her uh his stepmom. So Yeah. I'm guessing that they got married. Okay. Um um, yeah, um, his mom was Yumi, who was a Korean who worked for his best friend's mom's um, bus- like um, tailoring business. Two degrees of separation, you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> Still works today. Yeah. I mean, did you want to talk? I know you want to talk about how courtship worked. Oh, yeah. The- yeah. So uh, we mentioned how like a woman's uh, quality of life was determined by who they married, right? Mm-hmm. And also... A lot of their marriage had to do with like how you looked. So yeah. <laughs> women had very little power back then. And with Sunja, she really didn't have any choice but to marry Isak because who would take her and her children wouldn't have uh, last names and they couldn't be registered and all of that. Yeah. So it was kind of like like getting married was the only way to survive, <laughs> especially since like women couldn't like 
own businesses yeah without like special circumstances obviously and and then like we moved on to like Mosasu Mosasu and his wife and his wife like his wife works yeah and he doesn't stop her from working like until she gets like really pregnant but it was also super cute when he was like oh you you don't think i know english and he busts out his english he turns out to be like pretty good i don't remember that but... yeah like that's how he impresses her like oh you want to learn english and then he goes oh that's right i'm yeah. moses park yeah like the relationship with that Muzasu has with his wife is very different from Kyungi and yeah. and her husband Yusef. Well, even his brother and his wife, like his, like Noah chose um for her name, uh, Risa. Risa, yeah, yeah, because he felt oh she was she's the only person here that would be like this. She's already disgraced, so yeah, like it seemed almost kind of like like a contract. Yeah. For like between Noah and Rise, whereas like with Muzasu and uh, Yumi, Muzasu continually had to like, like court her, yeah. being like, I'm worthwhile. <laughs> like, I know you want to go to America, but like, I'm well, worth staying for. He's already like a pachinko manager at that point. Yeah. Like, he, he already had that cloud above him that he might not be on the up and up. Yeah. You know? And then. Later on, like his son Solomon and his girlfriend Phoebe, that that that's a much more modern relationship too, because like they end up breaking it off. Yeah, I thought it was so funny that like Phoebe goes to meet Solomon's uh, family. Uh-huh. I mean, this isn't the first time, but like yeah. she goes and they're and like Sunja and her mom, they're cooking Korean food, <laughs> and they ask Phoebe like, "Oh, do you cook?" Korean food. Yeah. And she says, I don't know how to cook. My mom doesn't know how to cook. We had Korean food by going to restaurants. Yeah. Like my mom like was a doctor. She like like <laughs> she like did homework at the table and like my aunt cooks food like only on special occasions. And she was like really proud of that. Whereas like Sunja and her mom were just like, What? Like horrified. Like, like, this is not okay. My grandson will starve if she marries you. <laughs> um and yeah, so Solomon has a very different upbringing than his, the rest of the family because he pretty much grew up because his father becomes a millionaire pachinko guy in Japan, and so he like he has like giant birthday parties with pop stars, and he also like, comes from like an international school. Like, so he went to like yeah, like English language like basically an ISB or yeah, an IS school. Yeah, right? yeah, and yeah. like. That was, like, a conscious choice um, from Muzasu because yeah. he said, like, oh, if he goes to a Japanese school, then people will pick on him for being different, for being yeah. Korean. But if he goes to a school where everyone is different, <laughs> then there will be a less chance of discrimination from yeah. that. So so Solomon was essentially just kind of protected from all of that until yeah. he turned 14 years old when he has to go register uh, with the Japanese government, permanent resident card. Which, permanent resident card. Uh, he has to get fingerprinted, and he has to take an interview. And before then, I don't think he faced any kind of like serious discrimination from uh, yeah from Japanese people because he's also lived in a neighborhood where it's mostly like Japanese, uh, Korean Japanese. Yeah, this one here is in Yokohama, which is in Tokyo, and it's very um, international as yeah. well. There's like Americans, there's uh, Chinese people, so. 
like, yeah, he's kind of lived in this safe bubble. I could relate to his experience because I remember going because I have a green card because I'm Canadian um, and having to get fingerprinted and ask all these questions by this person just didn't like I don't think they were mean. They're just like, whatever, like it's government. Job. I don't know. They were they were mean. I mean, like with yeah. Kyungi, they were like, oh, like all Koreans say yeah, yeah. that. And, and then like Muzas is like, she's not Korean. She's Japanese. <laughs> Like, honestly, you guys can't tell us apart. So yeah. this let's is, go, let's go, I yeah. mean, the only reason why that you're like fingerprinting us is to like monitor our activities and to like bar us from getting, getting apartments and yeah. like, and all that stuff. And I, I totally get that too. Cause, <laughs> um, I didn't become a U.S. citizen until I was 20. Mm. And, uh, there was always this. How's note- that jury duty going? Uh, I have not gotten summoned <laughs> for a jury duty. I don't know why they haven't summoned me yet. I'm kind of excited for it. Really? Yeah. I'm like, I just, I've been summoned twice, but since I'm not a citizen, I'm like, nope, sorry. Um, but like with my family, at least we've kept our, uh, we were permanent residents for a very long time because my parents always thought that we would go back to Korea. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's kind of the mindset that, uh, Sunja, Sunja has for yeah. her sons and her grandkids. She's like, I want to go back one day. But the problem is the Korea in her mind no longer, uh, exists. No longer exists and uh, Korea has definitely modernized and because she has lived in Japan for now most of her life, she would be turned away almost immediately. <laughs> um, and it's and it's just interesting because because Solomon goes to school in New York. How sad were you that he didn't go to NYU? You know, to the other school on the Upper West Side. I mean, he went for business. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess like NYU Stern is what is renowned for business, but still. <laughs> it it was just like really, it was really funny to me that he went to school in New York mm-hmm. and still ended up with a Korean girl. Yeah. And she spoke better Korean than him. <laughs> and I thought that was, I, I just thought that was like so funny. I really me. liked Phoebe's character because... In her, I saw like maybe half the Korean American girls that I know in the States, just the way that they approached being Korean. And also like, so I have a couple of friends who have this self-realized irrational hatred for Japan based on what their parents told them or or based on like, just like family, like history. Because like, if you think about it, um, like Solomon's family is maybe like three generations removed from like, um, from being in Korea, like they're they're culturally pretty japanese whereas like phoebe's family is only like phoebe's only like maybe one generation removed from like a generation that actively hated japan yeah right so you see another way that like this <clears throat> this prejudice these, is yeah, passed, passed on. on generation right um it's it's really funny like for me personally because uh like com- so I I have this friend who is also Korean American. She was born and raised here, mm-hmm. um, and her parents are from Busan. And um, I remember, like, I mean, growing up together, like, we were really into like Japanese products, right? Like Japanese pencils and anime <laughs> and books and and films. And her parents were so anti-Japanese. <laughs> they were like, "What are you watching? That's not good." And they once watched a Korean drama where there was like a mixed race Korean Japanese actor. And as soon as they found out that he was part Japanese or like, turn that off. 
but with with my family, it's been very like, <laughs> like, like they don't. I mean, they do care. Like, there's like very subtle like prejudices here and there, but overall, it's it hasn't been like very harsh. Mm-hmm. And I just like I find that really funny because like with I was with my family, like I said, they they come from a background where they're fighting for independence yeah. and like. And and like also, I was born in Korea, so it's just like, oh, we don't hate the Japanese that much. But you, like, <laughs> you were born and raised here, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's so, like I just find I, I just find it like funny that a lot of Korean Americans they kind of have this passion for finding out like where their origins are and like learning more about their heritage and history. Whereas like Koreans in Korea, they don't care. <laughs> Because they don't have to prove anything. They don't have to prove that they're Korean. They yeah. live there. They're dominant. So um, I think definitely origins mean something <laughs> else for people who are immigrants and yeah. people who are in marginalized groups. And you see it in Solomon. He really has a different mindset compared to his grandparents and to yeah. his dad. Um this is the last segment of the story, and there's this like there's still a lot of themes that we haven't touched on, um, and this podcast is running a little long. Yeah, but um, let's talk about so Solomon's arc has kind of two or three main through lines, or two, let's say two. It's uh, his relationship with his stepsister, um, and his relationship with like his identity, and that has to do with like his job and his girlfriend, right? Um, so. Um, let's talk about the stepsister. So Hannah is Etsuko, which is his stepmom's um, daughter, who is kind of a mess. And she is probably our first um, example of, or probably second example after Risa, of of this idea of like tainted, um, tainted blood, tainted um, legacy. Yeah. Right. Because her her mother is basically a divorced. Um, adulterer yeah right and because of that like her children and her daughter kind of have cut ties with her her sons have cut ties with her and her daughter kind of has no like similar to noah kind of assumes that her life is going to be a certain way from now on without any like with no hope right and there's this really good quote that uh is in this section where etsuko kind of compares life with pachinko right Mm mm-hmm and she was saying, there could only be a few winners and a lot of losers, yet we played on because we had hoped that we might be the lucky ones. How could you get angry at the ones who wanted to be in the game? Etsuko had failed in this important way. She had not taught her children to hope, to believe in the perhaps absurd possibility that they might win. Pachinko was a foolish game, but life was not. Yeah, pretty much sums up <laughs> yeah. sums up the entire experience of, uh, of the four <laughs> generations of this family. And kind of like the key, the key difference between Moses and his brother, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what did you think about this, um, like, the relationship between Hannah and Solomon? Because it was kind of also, like, kind of I, icky in a way, right? It, it was gross. <laughs> like, not going to lie. It was really gross. Hannah was a mess. And yeah. I didn't like any of her, uh, any of her dialogues, really. Because <laughs> I was just like, why, did, why is she talking like that? It sounds... <laughs> Like she, <laughs> well, she's of the, that generation, and we see this also with um, Hansu's new mistress. Kind of like girls who have girls who just sell their sell their 
bodies, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a woman's chastity isn't like a top <laughs> priority anymore. Um, but like, like with her, I was just like, I was just like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, you're so self-destructive. And yeah. like Solomon constantly tells her, like, you're smart. You can start over. You can do this. But she's like, I'm no, like, I'm set to. She's like, be miserable for the Jenny rest of my from life. Forrest Gump, right? <laughs> kind of. <sighs> I think, though, like, it was kind of like the final example of women, a woman's lot is to suffer. Mm, it's just another through line. Yeah, it's just like, oh, like, that still exists today. <laughs> <laughs> that that idea that, like, in order for a woman to do well in life, you have to suffer yeah. a lot. And, like, her downfall occurs at the same time that... Um, Solomon is moving up, right? He graduates from NY, not NY, Columbia, Columbia. Um, and gets a job at a big investment bank, which is like the dream, right? He's going to make it in corporate Japan, finally, after four generations of suffering. And we're finally at this point where we have an educated member of the family in a respectable business. And then he basically learns that, yeah, it's more of the same bullshit here too, right? Like instead of culture holding them down now it's capitalism now it's being instead of being seen as an undesirable like people now he's being seen as like a tool to be used to make money and if he's not useful and then he's gonna be thrown away or like so he gets brought in on this big deal um to get like a piece of land to sell right and then when that deal goes through but there's like a little bit of uh, basically the deal falls through because of who his father is. Yeah. Right. And then he gets fired from the job and he kind of realizes at this point that like the same thing with his father, right? Kind of like, I mean, it's kind of like his father was just like, I like you went to international school. You studied in New York. You, you graduated from Columbia. Like your life should be set. Like you should be able to pass through all these, uh, all these yeah. hurdles of discrimination and he, I think that's like the first moment where Musasu is just like, oh, like, nope, that still happened. And I mean, he goes to dinner with his his father and his friends, and then they all realize at the same time that, like, yeah, the reason that he ended up being fired, the reason why the deal that they helped him with didn't go through, was because of who his family was. Yeah, that they were Korean, that they were Pachinko Powers. Yeah, and so Solomon, at the end, decides, you know what, I'm just gonna take up the family business because he wants to stay in japan and i guess he feels like with solomon feel like he he holds no like he doesn't have like even though the trauma like the the hereditary trauma still affects him he holds no like guilt over it yeah right i mean like i really liked the introduction not introduction but like i really liked the character of phoebe Mm -hmm. because she was like asking him questions that he wasn't asking himself yeah she's just like why like why is japan still like considering um like korean japanese who have been here for three four generations as foreigners why do you not have a japanese passport why do you have a korean passport (laughs) like why why haven't you applied for citizenship and and it's and it's just like a lot of Korean Japanese, they still have Korean passports. They haven't, um, like, for for a lot of people, they haven't chosen 
one over the other is just kind of like yeah. and it's it's like really interesting because because like in in Japanese society it's like such a collective mindset right <laughs> and it's just like it's like why like why haven't you just tossed your Korean passport like you're pretty much Japanese like yeah. you speak Japanese more than Korean like and then at the end Phoebe becomes like this final like inflection point of his identity right because he she she represents his escape valve she he can go back with her to America and probably be okay but he wants to stay in Japan he decides he wants to be like he is Japanese he is he yeah. is Korean Japanese like this is his home he wants to be here and I did you expect him to break up yeah I, I totally yeah. expected him to like to break up with her because I mean he said he said it best where like in America Phoebe's like independence and and like outgoing personality and her like her being like very social justice like warrior like mm-hmm. that was that was like attractive in America but in a Japanese setting where like people are trying to be like not not stand out as much like yeah. he was just like oh it's kind of brash and like unfit for the environment that he's in well I also found interesting that like she was unable to adapt in in Japan as well and you kind of see that this these are two different examples of the same diaspora and they've kind of, they've both adapted to where they ended up, right? Phoebe is definitely a Korean American, an American she's girl. Like, she's like yeah. second generation. No, not second generation. I think her parents left like, like soon after the end of the Korean War. I think but she's probably second generation. Yeah, I think yeah. she's second generation. Yeah. If you think think about immigration patterns, her parents probably came in the seventies, part of the yeah. skilled immigrant programs that they were they were doing. Yeah. And it's funny because she never had to adapt her entire life because she was born and raised in America, right? Yeah. So she was born and raised in a language that she could speak and uh she was born in a place where there is diversity and oftentimes is considered a strength. But she also went to Colombia in the 80s. That is which, true. Yeah, that is New true. York, yeah. However, I mean, however, she like, had to deal with a lot of the same things we deal with yeah. still here, right? But but with Solomon, he went to school abroad and he mm. had to adapt no matter what. Yeah. So there, there's a difference right there. You know, <laughs> it's just like he, like, they come to Japan and she can't adapt. And yeah. he's just like, well, I adapted. Why can't you? <laughs> And yeah, it, it is very interesting that they are different. Like they are part of a diaspora, but like very, but also very different. That they have this like the way they broke up is very kind of adult. Yeah, it's not a lot of fun. Just realizing that this isn't going to work out, and that in, in itself is a freedom that they have as like young people in the eighties that their parents and their grandparents didn't have. Yeah, right. Because back then, like courtship was survival. Let's let's start wrapping it yeah, up. Like, um, I feel like we talked a lot about a lot I, of things, I, and this story is like it's a lot of things. I feel like we can go for on another hour or two, and bring if if we, if we bring in more people to talk about, it, it could go on for longer than that. But definitely, um, I would recommend this book to everybody. I it should be read. I don't know if this book has been translated into Korean or Japanese, but I sincerely hope that. Uh, it does find its way to Japan and Korea because this topic about Japanese Koreans, they're 
Korean Japanese, they it, it is never ever talked about. It's never uh, written about. I can name maybe like three Korean Japanese celebrities, and like their background is usually never talked about. Yeah, I actually read an article an interview she did that it actually isn't being pushed in Korea. Like there's like actually like resistance to it. There's Korea. a lot of yeah. resistance to it, and like. To be fair, like, like I, I think a bit of that anger is justified because in a lot of Japanese school textbooks, they don't talk about the annexation of Korea. They don't talk about yeah. that colonial period. And I mean, that, something, is, <laughs> that is a something that we didn't even touch on is the allusions to comfort women in the story. Yeah, it's mentioned yeah. briefly in the book. But yeah. like, yeah, there's that. And also... Um, I found out that the whole permanent residency thing in, in Japan where you get fingerprinted, that didn't end until 1993. <laughs> really? I was alive during that time. Like, that is insane. Wow. The, like, I'm sorry if, like, this discussion has kind of, like, don't, been don't, us, like, running around in circles. But I want to say, yeah. I want to say it's, it's a really difficult book to talk about because... Like, I don't know. I, I just felt like I read a saga. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do you at, sum at the, up a saga? <laughs> what this book does really well is it keeps reminding you of people you might have forgotten about. Like, at the end of the book, you, they still bring up Huni, like the the original patriarch of the family. They still bring up Isaac and Yosef and like people who have died is still very much part of the story, even after they die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Young Jin, the great grandmother, brings up Chang Ho as she's dying with Kyung Hee. And it's like, dude, the guy like left for North Korea like 200 pages ago. She's also saying, like, oh, like, you're a bad daughter. And yeah, she got really mean at the end. She's like, I suffered so much for you to be happy. And, and like, you haven't paid me back for all the things that I've done for you. Yeah. And, you know, like motherhood is a very crucial part of this story. Just like a mother's sacrifice in yeah. order to like make sure their kids have a future. Yeah. And you know, like when when I was reading this book, obviously, like it hit hit me very like personally because it's like like if I look back at my family, it's just like okay, like generation one, <laughs> like like colonial period okay and then like generation two like right after the korean war yeah. and then like it's like my generation we're in america now yeah. and my parents like growing up like my parents sent me to um sent me to korean school and uh the one that i went to for like most of my formative years was like an all-day school like it was like like from eight thirty in the morning to like 5 p.m really yeah and they like drilled in like a lot of history and mm. like my parents like justification for that was just like your your like your ancestors didn't fight and <laughs> die for you to forget your language and where you come from oh. and like it's important and it's like and, you know like growing up hearing all that stuff is just like i'm american i like yeah I, like it doesn't really matter you know now that i'm like an an adult it's like no it it, it does <laughs> matter like it, it does matter it it definitely does uh does its part to does its part in in you finding your identity and that was a major part of this book yeah yeah like i said i come from a very biased position <laughs> 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 well, the book was Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, um, part of a, I guess, a 
unofficial trilogy of books about the Korean diaspora that she's writing. Um, she's currently writing her third um, novel, um, which is about Korean cram schools. Yeah. Um, that's going to come about out the toxic culture of uh, pressuring your kids <laughs> in education. And um, her first book was Millionaire, uh, Free Food for Millionaires, yeah, and that was a, a Korean American uh, yeah. story. So if you like this book, definitely check out um, Free Food for Millionaires, and I guess wait for that third book. Um, and on that note, that's also going to do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Um, again, if you have any comments about what we discussed, if you want to add on to the discussion. Please or- add on to the discussion because obviously <laughs> we did not touch oh. everything in this book. Yeah, um, you can uh, do so on our Goodreads forums. Just go to goodreads.com and um, search Books and Boba and join. Um, don't forget to introduce yourself in the introductions thread. We always love to meet new members. And our February pick is Everyone's an Alien When You're an Alien Too by Jomni Sun. Yeah, and that's spelled alien, A-L-I-E-B-N, uh, for your reference. And it's an illustrated story um, about an lonely alien sent to our world um, and I'm very excited to read something a little bit lighter <laughs> after this um, family drama someone should make this into like a miniseries I, I, would, I would watch that I'm sure deals are being made <laughs> thanks again for listening thank you Rira for um, joining us on finally, this finally, adventure s- finally succumbing to <laughs> I am. A, you've been putting this off for I know I've been procrastinating <laughs> I literally finished this book last night. <laughs> That's why there's so many thoughts. But uh, um, thanks for joining us for this episode of Books and Boba. I hope you liked our discussion of Pachinko. And um, we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. This episode of Books and Boba was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and edited by Marvin Yue. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American-hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from our Asian-American community. If you like Books and Boba, you might also want to check out The Collabcast, a weekly podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian-American perspective, and the official podcast of the collaboration movement. You can find The Collabcast and all the other great shows of the collective by going to the website www.podcastpotluck.com. 